Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Venture Games Podcast. I'm Chris Quaidu, a venture partner at Griffin Gaming Partners, one of the leading gaming-focused VC firms, and content acquisition lead at Andreessen Back Carry First, the leading African mobile games publisher. Today, I'm happy to introduce my next guest, Christian Facey, co-founder and CEO at AudioMob. Christian has more than a decade of experience in the tech space and was recognized as Forbes 30 under 30 in 2021. What's going on, Christian? All good. All good. Thank you, uh, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Thanks for joining me. So for those folks out there who are less familiar with your background, can you just walk mm -hmm. us through your background uh, specifically before AudioMob? I guess the bulk of my career was at uh, Google and Facebook, now known as Meta, right? Mm -hmm. So I managed $100 million at Google as a strategist. So I would mm -hmm. work with brands and agencies, get, increase their return on ad spend. And mm -hmm. uh, it's around $100 million that I, I managed just over that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I crossed over to Facebook to become a science partner, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a, basically a measurement scientist, and I'd code different tests and figure out how to move someone along a funnel and mm -hmm. a conversion funnel that is, and measure the true value of ads. Where kind of gaming and the whole audio thing came into, into play is that I also taught myself to make my own mobile games. So right. I really, really liked like gaming, uh, console mm -hmm. gaming, right? And I just thought mobile gaming was like an easier way to figure <laughs> out more about the gaming ecosystem. So I really enjoyed that, it's like building my own games. I actually, went through this phase of where I was like digitizing Japanese watercolor artwork and making mm -hmm. these like really chilled out dreamy kind of games. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a massive fan of jazz and hip hop. And I produced mm -hmm. that music. This is like since I was 14 on like a beat machine, FL studio, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would start streaming that music into the games that I was making combined with advertising expertise. It kind of led to the creation of audio. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's where all my like gaming audio and advertising experience came from before I started the company. And did you actually release any of these games or were they more just like passion projects for you? So I actually did release a couple of games. I left them at the store, probably probably not even on there anymore because obviously <laughs> like, you know, the, the yeah. updates and stuff. But um, yeah, I did, I did release a couple of them. It was a really, really fun project uh, before, before you know, spun it into an official business. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the games that you uh, either currently play or have played as you were growing up? Games I played when I was growing up, uh, I was a big Nintendo fan, right? Mm -hmm. So started off with like Diddy Kong Racing, mm -hmm. Zelda is like a timeless classic. Then I went for an RPG phase, playing the likes of Skyrim, lost a lot mm -hmm. of hours during university to <laughs> playing that game. Yeah. Uh, played Elden Ring as well when I had a chance. But now it's mostly like like Call of Duty where mm -hmm. I can just pick up something, quick little half an hour game, but then I'm back to work or doing something else. Yeah, no, Skyrim is yeah. like an incredible game. I. I spent previously so many hours playing that game. It's like just massive, so, so beautiful, amazing story. And obviously I'm a Nintendo fan. Everyone's a Nintendo fan. I actually just saw the Mario movie yesterday and I, oh, I liked it. It's, it's definitely nice. like a kid's movie, but I think they did a good job. But anyways, you know, after you left Google, you know, you started this company, AudioMob. For those who are less familiar with AudioMob, what are you guys actually building? So we have invented, in the most literal sense, a mechanism that can send an audio ad to a mobile game and not interrupt the user's experience. Mm -hmm. So to give you an idea, imagine you're racing a car in a game, right? You're swerving in and out, you're collecting mm -hmm. power-ups, you're crashing into players, all that kind of stuff. 
And if you want to power up, usually you would have to maybe watch a, a 30 second right. rewarded video ad or when you die, it's annoying, it causes drop in retention, etc. Now, if you were to crash a car, mm -hmm. an audio mob is implemented, you would be able to listen to an audio ad and continue racing the car. Mm -hmm. And then you'd get the reward either at the beginning of the, uh, the audio ad or when the um, audio ad finishes. So the whole idea is to give developers a way to monetize their players without interrupting the gameplay. So that's a win for the uh, developer. Mm -hmm. It's a less annoying experience for the, uh, for the player. It's a win for the player. And then the advertiser gets a price efficient entry point into the world's biggest marketing channel, yeah. which is mobile gaming. Uh, so that, that's kind of the trifecta that we've come up with through this mechanism. So historically, I've always been more of a console and PC gamer. I do play a decent amount of mobile games, right? So mm -hmm. For me personally, I'd say 90% of the time I'm playing a mobile game, I'm not playing the game with the audio. There are some cases where, you know, I might be listening to a podcast or, you know, listening to music and gaming. But when mm -hmm. I'm just playing a mobile game, for me personally, I almost never listen with the audio on. Yeah, I'm assuming if that was the case for most people, you wouldn't have built this business. So what is user behavior actually like, right? Is, is my perspective just the minority and are most or many people actually gaming with audio on? That's a really, really good question. And it's the question that we had to debunk mm -hmm. in 2020 in our first year. You can imagine, right? right. Just raised your one to $2 million, it's mm -hmm. pandemic and everyone's like, eh, is this going to work? Like, well, what's, what's the thing you want? So I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Now it's a very simple mechanism, right? To mm -hmm. put an audio ad into a game. That's the easy part. Right. The really, really hard part is figuring out how to analyze the audio state of a phone across mm -hmm. iOS and Android and across thousands of devices, package up all of those signals and then send them to an advertiser to say, hey, this device is audible or it's mm -hmm. not at the volume levels. And that is literally, literally a billion dollar problem that we mm. solve. And this is a, this is going to be a multi-billion dollar industry in game audio. We've already seen all of the facets, which is why Google invested, right? And to answer your question, so 61% of, of players specifically, they have the audio on the mobile device. It's on. Mm. Maybe you want to hear the phone ring. Maybe you want to jump into a Spotify uh, playlist or something. Mm -hmm. So the device is on. Most people actually mute the gaming sound effects because yeah. they tend to be quite annoying unless it's like an audio centric game right. where it, it helps like racing a car or collecting coins or mm -hmm. guitar hero or something like that right so yeah most devices more often than not are on so if a user opts in to uh, let's say get a reward we can detect if the actual phone device volume is on or off mm -hmm. and then we do lots of interesting things as well right like let's say someone's listening as you mentioned, you occasionally listen yeah. to Spotify, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you listen to Spotify, audio ad comes in. We pause Spotify at mm -hmm. the point that they get to, timestamp, we play the ad, then we unpause the music track so that you don't lose where you are. So you never mm -hmm. have to you know, leave the game. So we analyze all of these different audio states and, and we know that most people actually have the phone volume on and our technology from sitting in the game can almost like reach into the device at the device level and figure out these signals. And that's, that's the opportunity that we've unlocked for the whole gaming industry. It's really interesting because I, you know, even when I'm not gaming, my phone is always on silent, but it's definitely, that's a very interesting stat that actually the majority of people have their phone audio on, I guess my next, you know, sort of just like playing devil's advocate question, right? So mm. if many of these users are, 
you know, listening to music or listening to a podcast on Spotify while gaming, how do you sell to an advertiser that the ad should actually be an in-game ad versus like an audio ad in Spotify, for example? Really good question. So Spotify, most users are actually uh, paid users mm -hmm. and the users that use Spotify for free that will get the ads, they are actually, but they tend to be users that will spend less in yeah. general whether that's on, you know, different kinds of internet purchases or purchases in general. Mm -hmm. So the incremental value that AudioMob gives to a typical like advertiser is, is substantial. The mm -hmm. second thing, not to go down a technical rabbit hole, yeah. but um, let's say, let's say you've got a podcast, right? And you've got mm -hmm. these things called pre-roll, mid-roll and end-roll ads. Yep. An ad that appears before, during or after a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be lucky in a, maybe a 20 minute podcast if you get two ad slots, right? Yeah. But in a game, let's say a game where just some kind of puzzle game we spend 20 minutes and you've got all these opportunities where you might die, you might want to hit, you might want to buy something or whatever the mm -hmm. uh, reason is, you actually get hundreds more ad requests per second than you would in a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's always going to be that opportunity where that user might actually want to opt into an ad or suddenly stumble upon an opportunity where they will be presented an ad, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to take the largest studio in the world of which we are scaling with right now yeah and compare that to spotify mm -hmm. they have more daily active users than spotify right. globally mm -hmm. and they can provide at least two to three times the amount of ad inventory so the scale of gaming is insane yeah the amount of data that you can take from a game and pass back to the advertiser especially if it's user consented is insane mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a really really good audience play for the advertisers yeah they like the fact it's gaming but it's the audience they care about Right. And so for me personally, I'm actually not a spender in mobile games in like 99.99% of cases, right? So mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who, if there's a mobile game that I'm really into, you know, I will actually grind the <laughs> rewarded video ads. It's not an experience I love. You know, honestly, like I will typically like, you know, play the ad, put my phone down, not even look at it, then come back. Mm -hmm. Do you see differences in behavior for audio ads? For example, are folks more willing to listen to more audio ads given they're less intrusive? And to that end, do advertisers have the ability to place more of these ads given, you know, theoretically the higher demand? Yeah, so advertisers are able to place more of these ads from a frequency cap perspective, but the frequency cap works both ways, right? And the frequency cap of the game developer is the thing that takes precedent. Because obviously, mm -hmm. you know, some some game developers have implemented us and like, we want as much money as possible. Let me put, yeah. you know, 10 ads in a five-minute session or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, that's not, that's not gonna work, right? So right. Uh, we do we do guide our developers in terms of the best practices there, like per you know, five to ten minutes, how many ads you should really send, if they're rewarded or not, etc. What we have found is this is very this is this is why. Google invested as well as, you know, Lightspeed yeah. makes fun of the world's best investors, right? We're seeing exactly the same patterns as rewarded video mm -hmm. before it became a mainstream format. And the key signal, right, was that we added rewarded, when rewarded video was added to, to a couple of games, then it was taken away. You've got the users that grind mm -hmm. on the rewarded videos. It's like complaining, saying, where are my rewarded videos? Because mm -hmm. I want my coins kind of yeah. thing, right? And, and that has actually happened with audio ads as well. Yeah. Uh, we actually, we first found out about that piece of feedback when we integrated into the Big Brother game mm -hmm. and people just grinding away. So what we have found is that 
the users will uh, definitely be willing to grind more, grind way more, uh, listening to more audio ads, right? Because mm-hmm. they can continue playing the game. So it's not such a laborious experience rather than, you know, you pick up the phone, press a rewarded ad, put yeah. the phone down and go and do something else. And we also do something clever, right? Because we can analyze the audio state of the phone, the user tries to opt into the ad then turn the volume down mm. and then continue playing the game. We revoke the reward and put a prompt. We're like, uh, 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 like, you know, if you want the reward, increase the volume. And then the advertisers actually will be willing to pay more because it's a mm-hmm. whole brand safety thing, right? Some game developers are sometimes, bluntly speaking, short-sighted, where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, let's just send some cheap, inaudible ads. But we're like, no, if you want McDonald's, if you want the big right. CPMs and the big budgets, you're going to need to use our format because yeah. it's fair on both sides. So, so, so again, it's the trifecta between the developer, the player, and the advertiser, which is why this works so well. So I was actually going to ask you about, you know, turning down the volume. I'm sure it's relatively technical, so you don't have to get too, too much into that side of things. But on the mm-hmm. other side of it, as a player, if I want to, you know, play one of your rewarded audio ads, for example, but I have my volume turned down, do I get like a prompt saying that like, hey, if you want to do this, turn up your volume? Or how do you think about that, right? To get these users who otherwise would not have audio on to mm-hmm. be monetizable through your ads? So that is what happens, right? If someone wants to reward, but the, the iPhone mute switches down or, uh, or the volume is too low, they will send a prompt saying, if you want the reward, turn your volume up to at least 30%. So our technology is able to increase the addressable amount of audible phones and not just target the users that have the audio one. Mm-hmm. But again, we do this in a 100% user-consented way. So it's not like we just blast the ad right. randomly and then say hey do you want to keep the reward it's like yeah. you know we, we always give the user the rewarded format the option to turn the volume up and if it's like our skippable format for instance after five seconds they could just opt out they don't want to listen to it so the, these are the kinds of things that we generate because we want to make sure that we don't annoy the users but obviously give the ad the best chance of actually getting played and completed mm-hmm. and then you know you mentioned before you know from the publisher standpoint they can't just offer you know, unlimited rewarded ads because, you know, there's certain users where it makes more sense to monetize via IAP, you know, et cetera. How, you know, just for a point of education, how does a publisher uh, think about that balance, right? And, and striking the right balance between offering ads, you, you know, for the users who are never going to pay, but would grind ads all day, you know, versus yeah. still making it attractive enough for the IAP folks to want to spend their cash. So this is a bit of a forward thinking question, actually, Mm -hmm. because we've had to really think about this, but we are entering an age where a user or a developer, I should say, needs to show the right type of ad to the right type of user, right? So we've got to remember it's like IAP, was it like 89% of revenue might come from your top four to 8% of users, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got video ads. If I was to ask you, do you like video ads? And do you know anyone who likes video ads? You're obviously going to say no, right? <laughs> but as usually it's around like seven to eight percent of people that actually yeah. like video ads, right? Mm-hmm. So you, uh, the, the the industry is always optimizing towards a, a sub ten percent um, portion of their audience, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we come in. So we the way our ads are implemented is quite nuanced, right? And we've already got all the best practices across every genre. For instance, you have a game with IAP, right? Let's take a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. The reason that you would want to add um, an audio ad in is because you can't show too many video ads, like probably more than two per session, usually um, yeah. in a 10 to 15 minute session, because the user is trying to figure out, you know, in a puzzle game, 
what's the puzzle, what's the words, etc. Yeah. You show too many video ads, it breaks the immersion, they go off, and then they don't actually buy stuff. So it's really mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. However, if you show an audio ad, right? So you show the video ads, and then you show um have a separate prompt for an audio ad. Mm-hmm. They'll listen to the video ads and then they will revert to the to the audio ads and then they'll put the incremental revenue there. If you've mm-hmm. got a let's say a, a hyper casual game that has like a between a four and seven minute um session time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we gave it to developers to start researching back in 2020 how to implement this thing, we found that if you select uh we kind of knew this, but we tested it out anyway. If you select the same trigger point, so you're getting an audio ad that is competing against the video ad. Like some of these video ad CPMs, right? They could be like $40. An audio yeah. ad CPM is between five and $15. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously not gonna be good if you replace that rewarded prompt or you get audio ads to compete directly with video. So what you could do is you could set separate prompts. You've got the rewarded video prompts that you can leave that uncapped. They want to grind as much as they want, but then you have a frequency capped audio ad. So maybe once they listen to two, three or four audio ads, mm-hmm. then the prompt goes away. Then they revert back to video. So this, these are the kinds of um, integrations that we that we know are the best practices. So that it's like you get the user to like consume a capped amount of audio ads, mm-hmm. and then they revert back to their previous monetization methods, which is IAP or video. Yeah. So this has been extremely effective with the majority of publishers that we've integrated with. Got it. And then on the video ad side of things, the ad space has changed a lot. You know, we'll talk about targeting a little bit later, mm-hmm. but even so it's a multi-part question. One is just, you know, to set the stage sort of, what are types of advertisers that you partner with and what do they look like and what types of ads are they running, right? Because in mobile gaming currently, you know, a lot of video ads are just ads for other mobile games. Is that similar for audio is number one. And then number two, you know, over the last, I don't know, call it year or two, a lot of these video ads have changed in a couple of ways. One of which is that mobile games are showing ads that, you know, I think could be considered either like not representative of what the actual game is going to be. Right. So it's like, they show you like a different experience with like using the game's IP, but it's not actually like what the game uh, is, (laughs) but it actually works. Right. Like they've done studies, you know, a lot of studies and it actually works. So that's number one. And then number two is also like, sometimes they're like raunchier. Right. So it's like character in game, like Chidan, they're spouse and game, whatever, and it gets people engaged, right? And so, yeah. you, you know, so the question is, is one, like what types of ads and advertisers are you partnering with? And then two, for the gaming partners, is that the direction that's going to go on the audio side as well? Yeah. So it's brand um, advertising, mm-hmm. and this is something that really attracts the game developers, right? Because our ads don't promote churn. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, no one's going to download a game if it's, if you're promoting them like shoes from Nike right. or Berg from McDonald's, right? Yeah. So these are the kinds of advertisers that promote themselves on our, on our platform. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of where things are going, so there's always going to be the brand side of the business. But let's just say the level of audio analysis that we do, we've mm-hmm. uncovered, I've got to be careful what I say here, but mm-hmm. we've, got, we've uncovered some very interesting opportunities yeah. to potentially build a performance product. Now, we have an R&D lab in Abu Dhabi where every every application you've already thought of or anyone listening here, we have thought about it and we're working <laughs> on it in, in, in Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. So yeah, I do think that eventually this audio format will be used to assist with UA efforts um, mm-hmm. in the gaming space because we've come up with methodologies where the way that we analyze an audio ad and how someone converts, clicks, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. there's a new there's a new like layer of audio signals that we can analyze and then we could use that for performance-based algorithms. So mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely where I think this is going. Uh, we just need to do a bit more research because it's uh, very difficult <laughs> to, to, to unlock. Okay, then just taking a step back, right? What is the current landscape of audio ads t- 
today, right? Like mm. a lot of this is is more sort of forward looking, right? I think today, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this here, right? But I, I think today most mobile gamers are still primarily viewing video ads, not as many audio ads, though it sounds like that is shifting. So what does it look like today? And why is this an interesting space today? You know, I know you discuss a lot of the benefits, but do you see audio ads actually, you know, taking so much share that they might be, you know, the first thought for advertisers rather than an addition to video ads? Well, I guess the way you could think about it is the video ad industry, right? It's like a hundred billion dollar mm -hmm. industry, roughly. Mobile gaming in general is going to grow to a $300 billion industry globally by 2030, mm -hmm. right? And the reason that you get these, these upticks is that it's the amount of incremental spend that uh, goes into the space. Game developers will think back when they just had banner ads and they had interstitial, then they had mm -hmm. rewarded, then they had uh, playables and IAP, right? Like uses actual money rather than, than advertising money is coming to the play. And AudioMob are the uh, inventors and pioneers of adding an extra tranche of revenue, mm -hmm. which are the billions and billions of dollars of audio ad revenue that is going into the space. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you implement AudioMob, right? And then there is a conflict because we are competing against another programmatic right. player in the video space. It's completely separate. Yeah. The exchanges are different. The way that the money flows is different. The way that the signals are part of different. Conceptually similar, but very different. Mm -hmm. So every single developer, right, that wants contextual revenue because IDFA is kind of decreased the amount of um, you know users you can target to like 30, 35 to 40 percent. So you can't really target the whales. You're going to need extra money, and the best way to get extra money isn't share of wallet by trying to you know juggle existing video and display players. Mm -hmm. Although that does somewhat help, of course. Um, it's to access completely different tranches of revenue. This is what we do at Audiomob when any business does in times of uh, peril, let's right. say, right? So every developer under the sun, uh, whether it's me or it's a competitor or something, right? Everyone mm -hmm. is going to get onto audio ads as a typical part of their stack within the next two years, without question. Yeah. Actually, following up on targeting, because we've talked a little bit about it, but we haven't really you know, dove in. So... You know, obviously there were these changes to how these game companies and other advertisers can can target players. It's had a massive impact on the gaming space in general. So I guess one, could you just sort of talk about you know how this has impacted studios in general? And then two, how has this impacted your business, if at all? You know, has it been a positive because folks are looking for more more ways to advertise to players, or has it negatively impacted you guys at all? So from a, a from a game developer mm -hmm. perspective, right? They use also uh, I won't mention which studio yet because mm -hmm. I will announce that later this year. But uh, one of the top ten studios back in twenty twenty one when the whole IDFA thing mm -hmm. um, happened, they used us as a cushion, right? Because mm -hmm. we are a contextual advertising partner, and if the user consents, then we also pass back the device ID, and our advertisers can you know bid on those users mm -hmm. at a higher CPM. So we're considered a safe option, right? Mm -hmm. We're GDPR, CCPN, copper compliant, which makes developers much more, I feel much more safe, especially mm -hmm. the large ones that really have to watch themselves of yeah. at least 4% of the revenue in Europe if they, right. you know, <laughs> violate these, right? So, yeah. uh, so that, that's actually been, been great because, you know, back before I left Facebook, I knew from 2018 what Apple did in 2021 was yeah. Facebook was absolutely really worried about yeah. it, right? 
So the way that we developed our stack, which we tell developers as well, is as simple as we open it up, we pass, we pass back the new string, uh, whatever policy that is, we mm -hmm. close it back up and then everything's fine. So we can adapt with future privacy policies that will be coming out of the US per state, I imagine, in the next five years. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a fun one, right? Yeah. And uh, South America. But anyway, so that's fine. On the other side of the coin, specific to AudioMob, it really, really benefited us, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're a contextual ad company, right? So mm -hmm. if the if the phase passed, that's like a cherry on top where we can make a bit more money and then give developers a, a better revenue share with a higher CPM. But yeah, like it didn't affect us at all. It really mm -hmm. benefited us. And developers are like, oh yeah, audio. Let's try this now because we're losing money elsewhere. From um, a UA perspective, like you know, the UA product, the UA product, the performance product isn't built yet, but it also revealed to us as we started getting more business that there was definitely an opportunity there uh, as well. And a lot of other, you know, um, non-audio players are looking at contextual yeah. signals or using them to assist UA, but it's it's still relatively early stage from from what I've heard. Got it. And I know I'm jumping around a lot, but I wanted to ask you this question. Yeah, just generally, what types of games are you guys in today? Are there types of games where audio ads resonate more than others? And then are there actually differences in player types where they're more likely to uh, engage in audio ads? For example, people, yeah, I'm just making it up, right? But people with shorter play sessions, for example, or people with longer play sessions, for example, are more or less likely or like by genre, is there a significant difference? That's a really good question. A lot of games that we've implemented into, we know we know puzzle games, for instance, are, are definitely, definitely like highly desired by advertisers mm -hmm. and players tend to, to listen to a couple more ads than, than a typical video ad actually, mm -hmm. right? During, during a puzzle game, because the immersion's there. Any games where there's like a, an in-app economy or some kind of social economy, players grind the hell mm -hmm. out of these audio ads, right? It's like, yeah. it's pretty insane. That's where we get the complaints, right? right. Um, when you've got hyper-casual games, a user will listen to usually a maximum of like two ads than a, uh, a five to seven, mm. what, four to seven minute session. Anything more than that, it gets a bit dicey in terms of like maybe the user will listen to less, you know, or watch less video ads. If it's skippable or um, skippable ads and, you know, you use too many ads, or there's too many uh, you know, skippable ads that come up, mm. let's say more than four, then the users will just drop off and retention will drop off a cliff, right? So we have got the best practices. We've implemented it to racing, hyper-casual, casual mm. games, puzzle games, pretty much every kind of genre. And what we have found is that there's best practices for each each genre that always leads to incremental revenue. In terms of the kinds of players that this this really resonates with, mm -hmm. it's got to be the puzzle game uh, the mm -hmm. gamers and anyone in a in a metaverse oriented game. Mm -hmm. Advertisers pay insane amounts of money for those kinds of games. Okay, and then you guys have a partnership with Social Point. Mm -hmm. It's been publicly announced. It's in the news. How did this partnership come about, and what are you guys actually doing together? It was actually our first big puzzle game that we mm. uh, integrated into in 2021. I'm trying to remember how it came about now. I think, yeah, in 2020, we connected with the, one of the heads of monetization. Mm -hmm. And then actually, it was quite early in 2020, heads of monetization. Uh, and then they really evaluated the format. I was really, really passionate about you know, testing new innovations. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had a, a rather lengthy legal chat <laughs> with uh, their parent company. Because we're because obviously, you know, being a first-year founder, you're like, all right, social point. Let's do this. Big game. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the legal counsel right. of Take Two behind <laughs> Grand Theft Auto comes up. And I'm like, all right, I better skill up as a founder yeah. <laughs> and wear up and make sure we get this over the line. So right. um, the, the commercials behind the game studio was uh, more simple. And, and it helped 
boardroom of actually mature as a company mm-hmm. uh, to do that deal, right? It was just, you know, typical sales outreach and, and social point was really keen. And then Audiomob matured as a business to make sure that our legal structures were, were ready. We had the liquidity, we had the demand, the MRGs, all that kind of stuff to do a business like we did with the, uh, to do business like we did with the social point. And that has definitely reflected on all the different large studios that we've integrated since then. Awesome. And then jumping around again, are you thinking about generative AI at all? You know, obviously it's like super, super hot. A lot of people like a lot of these big tech trends lately are very excited about the impact that it might have on gaming and a number of other fields. So just curious, are you guys thinking about it at all? Is it going to have any impact on your business? All that I'll say is we have been dabbling with very cool and somewhat scary ways to enhance our current offering and build new offerings using AI. And this was before it suddenly became a buzzword right. for ChatGPT, right? So yeah, there are all kinds of ways we can use AI to massively enhance what we do. Like, you know, using voice synthesis and then mm-hmm. using generative AI to help with the ads, licensing people's, you know, or influencers' voices, right? Mm-hmm. And then using a chat GPT-oriented mechanism to generate the ads based on the kinds of games. Like, it's insane what we what we will be able to do. And now everyone, including investors, kind of realize the, the, the value of what AI can do. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to be, it's almost like, I guess, I guess the way you could think about it is... You know, like how everyone's productivity increased when, you know, Microsoft Word and Excel came out, right? I imagine AI is going to do for the whole tech industry what Mm -hmm. Microsoft Word did for corporate, right? It's going to be a paradigm shift. So, yeah. So, obviously, that's a very big statement. You know, as you said, you've been thinking about AI for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. since well before it was buzzy or as buzzy as it is today. But, you know... Not too long ago, people were saying the same things about Web3. It's going to change everything in the world. You know, every industry is going to grow by, you know, billions and billions of dollars. You know, metaverse is a multi-trillion dollar industry powered by Web3, et cetera, et cetera. So how much of this, just like as as you look at the tech and gaming landscape in general, you know, how much of this is hype versus actually like, you know, tangible improvements? I have a very simple question, right? That you Mm -hmm. and the users can, can ask, right? Okay. Have you used ChatGPT before? I have a little bit, like less than okay. I probably should have. <laughs> Do you think it was cool or useful in terms of how you used them? Extremely cool. I mean, I've looked at a lot of generative AI stuff, some of it before it got buzzier, and I immediately was like, this looks amazing. Awesome. When was the last time you bought something you used with cryptocurrency? <laughs> Honestly, for I'm a bad person to ask because for me, it was honestly like probably pretty recent, but I, <laughs> for the sake of the, uh, the argument, I'll say, you, you know, most people obviously aren't using it very often. Ah, uh, Chris, you're ruining my point. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you get, you get the idea, right? Right, like, right, right. Yeah. Cool person that yeah, ask, yeah, right? It's yeah. like everyone's used chat GPT right. for something productive. Meaning exactly. my company uses it to like yeah. you know, uh, improve code and stuff. But I don't really know many people that have used, you know, cryptocurrency right. to buy a laptop or yeah. a drink at the shop or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I, I do feel like, um, don't get me wrong, I don't want to, I don't want to hit Web three. Yeah. I just think like, like, the, like the paradigm shift of Web three. So you know, a word example that I mentioned. Yeah. That is a smaller impact, even though it was massive, but smaller than the birth of the internet. Right. 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 So right. Um, I do think Web three is still in its early phases, yeah. mm-hmm. but I do think that the advent of generative AI and use of chat GPT, for instance, we're just going to see tangible results from that 
much sooner and i say much sooner yeah. but then again ai has been in the in the in the work for like the last like what 50 years yeah. right so but i do i do think we're going to see generative ai results tangible results right. profitable results meaningful results much sooner mm-hmm. cool so you and i you know we bumped into each other i think in london if i'm not mistaken and you mentioned actually that audio ads are pretty popular in africa or you're seeing some interesting data from like african gamers why is this and you know, maybe beyond Africa, right? Why are audio ads interesting or exciting for gamers in emerging markets? Is there something intrinsic to emerging markets that's different from, you know, tier one or developed markets that makes this ad format actually more interesting for those markets? Yeah, so tier one markets, right? They became mobile first between 2015 and 2016. Emerging economies, they were mobile first since forever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when it comes to Africa, when it comes to data, right? So the cost of data can be a bit pricey, right? Mm -hmm. And delivering a video ad is going to be more costly than an audio ad, which costs, what, 32 times less uh, in terms of the amount of data. Mm -hmm. So what you've got, right, is you've got a very small data package that could be sent to an individual user. It costs the user less to listen to that ad, but the CPM is still really, uh, really valuable in in comparison to, you know, the video ad. So that is, again, another trifecta in terms of, you know, it costs less for the user, the advertiser could send more ads, et cetera. the other, the other aspect, right, is that users actually listen to, um, they even listen to um, uh, something in the background more mm-hmm. in, in uh, emerging economies, or it's the case that they have actually unmuted. And we're noticing specifically in India, Africa, and uh, South America. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, <laughs> but it is a fact at this point, considering the amount of impressions that we've analyzed in all three geos that I mentioned. Interesting. I was actually going to ask why, but I guess it will be, remain a mystery for now. But I'm curious, you know, as you do more research, what that yeah. answer is. Okay, so sh- shifting gears, y- you know, this is a slightly more serious topic. And so, hmm. you know, diversity in both tech and gaming uh, in these industries has been, you know, limited for many years. Actually, I was uh, at GDC not too long ago, and someone was meeting with, you know, made a comment that, you know, it's easy to, it was like one of our first times meeting in person. And he said, you know, it's immediately like easy to find me, you know, because there like, aren't that many like people of color in this room, right? And (laughs) this person said, you know, someone who had been in the gaming industry for a while, over the years, he had seen a pretty significant shift as far as there are, you know, there's a significant number of more women in the industry, though, obviously, there still is a, a big gap, right? But this person said there hasn't been as much of a shift when you look at people of color, right, or underrepresented minorities. You know, obviously, you are a success story in the space that has sort of bucked this trend. And so what has your experience been like over the years? Have you, Do you think there have been meaningful shifts in the tech and gaming industries? That's number one. And then number two, you know, what does it mean to you as a founder and a person of color you know, succeeding and, you know, potentially inspiring folks, you know, how do you think about your impact? So on the the tech industry in general, I do think there's been a massive influx of women as well as people of color, uh, different minority groups in, in general tech. So, right, you know, big tech, like, you know, you Googled your Facebooks yeah. of the world, Amazon, et cetera. Because there, there's been a massive, massive push there, right? Mm-hmm. In gaming, I would say there is definitely the efforts that has been put yeah. in to promote the shift 
I would say it's something I've definitely seen less of, right? Yeah. I mean, me and my co-founder, Wilfred, right? He's also of color, uh, we're black mm-hmm. in business, and we, we travel around the world to all these different gaming conferences, right? And it usually is, you know, the same. We're uh, definitely uh, one of the few people that right. like us in the room, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't say that's not the industry. I mean, it is a wonderful industry, yeah. definitely more friendly than others that I've worked in Absolutely. or worked with, right? But yeah, I, I do, I do notice that there seems to be less of less of a shift into gaming. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why, because it's a very friendly industry. However, yeah. I, what I would say is that from um, an entry standpoint, right, in terms of you know the amount of disciplines that you need is yeah. much more uh, heavy on the technical side of the mm-hmm. coin so that that could be a thing perhaps because it is it is a smaller industry as well so that, that that could be a factor but it's something i've seen less of and in terms of myself so it's 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 it's, it's really interesting right because yeah. i don't even don't get me wrong like i try and inspire people or do mob squad it's yeah. a mentorship team right mm-hmm. where we do help people different minority groups yeah. kind of the way they interpret the world and kind of work through it and achieve their goals and mm-hmm. um, we have a mentorship scheme for that but another plug we do help yeah. anyone that asks we don't just say <laughs> this is just for yeah, everyone yeah. you know um or men or women or whatever but um we uh we do try and like give back in that in that in that way but yeah, the way I think about it is like, it's nice to know that I am ins- inspiring people, but it's not something I think about. Just like, for instance, right? The fact that as a black person in this industry, uh, as an entrepreneur in general, is it's that typical thing where, you know, especially from a VC perspective, it's like, there's not much money that goes to you. So yeah. like, don't mess with that kind of thing. Right. And it's like, it's a typical thing, right? If you are, you know, operating as a person of color, whether you're in corporate, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur or whatever, you're like representing the the, the group kind of thing. Yeah. But I never, I never really think about that because I already know that Audio Mob is going to be a massive success. It's just a case of how successful it will right, right. become kind of thing. So yeah, I never, I never really let it stress me out or anything. And I'm just happy that other people can see someone that looks like me and kind of get inspired by it. Because that's, right. that's what I did when I was younger. I looked to my dad, who very, very successful in his career, my uncles yeah. and stuff like that. So the fact that I'm doing something similar, it makes it easier to work on stressful days in the office, let's say. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you made the comment about like, you know, because there is a relatively limited amount of funding going to underrepresented founders. You know, I've actually heard this specifically from other founders of color that I've spoken with. They're like, hmm. you know, I might be the first or, you know, for, you know, one of like two or three, you know, black founders as an example that this VC has worked with, you know, like I really have to perform or else, you know, it, it might be, you know, might be tougher yeah. for some, some other folks. Right. And so, you know, it is, it's, it's definitely an unfortunate reality, but on the flip side of it, as you mentioned, you know, it is great to be able to have, uh, have that impact. And, and I agree with you that mentorship is just tremendously important because of that. On the barriers to entry, you know, some people have conjectured that, you know, obviously you mentioned the technical one, you know, some people have suggested it may be because, you know, gaming is, is more expensive to get into, whether it's like buying a console or buying an expensive PC, you know, for esports, things like that, et cetera. But another thing that has been mentioned quite a bit is I love gaming. I've been a gamer forever, you know, as long as I can remember, but the reality is gaming in some ways can be you know, pretty toxic, especially online gaming. I think it was, I believe it was Unity that did a study that said like 80% plus of people have been like, you know, have had some sort of like toxic or abusive interaction online. You know, for some folks, you, you know, it, 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 could, it could honestly be, think, you know, like race, gender, et cetera. Those are, are all real factors, right? I know there are lots of people, you know, gamers come in every single, every different, you know, age, color, 
you know, sex, et cetera, et cetera. But do you think there could be some sort of impact that this toxicity is having on p- people of people coming from these groups wanting to to join the industry? And that, of course, is just like speculation. A hundred percent. You know, I wasn't even going to mention it, but as you went there, um, yeah, yeah. Like, there are certain FPS chat rooms, right? That <laughs> right, get right. Bit, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely, man. Like when I was um, looking into the gaming industry, and this is when mm-hmm. I first started developing games, I was like. Hmm, I wonder what it's going to be like when I go to this first hackathon or this first right. conference. Are they going to be like people that I played on mobile? So, yeah. so, so um, yeah, I, I I have no doubt. I mean, is there a correlation that, you know, years ago, gaming studios were mostly, you know, men and, you know, the stuff that is said to women, people yeah. of color and every kind of creed on gaming wasn't great growing yeah. up. Like yeah. there is a hundred percent a correlation right. there. And, you know, unfortunately um, it's not really going to be up to the gaming industry exactly. and all the developers and stuff. It's going to be up to the corporates that own these chat yeah. rooms. I won't mention names, but it's right. obvious yeah. um, to come up with the right mechanisms to decrease or segment these kinds of people yeah. <laughs> so they can be toxic together because it's right, 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 right. stuff. but you yeah. know what i'm saying like yeah. um there, there needs to be a way to kind of segment that out or it's it's just never going to improve it's so interesting because in this same study you know they said most people have been abused similarly uh, almost yeah. everyone said that they don't want to be abused right like almost everyone was like this is happening to me and i don't want it to happen right so the question is like <laughs> why does it keep happening in gaming we can leave that for another conversation but yeah <laughs> you know i agree with you like something just just has to change mm. but anyways as sort of a concluding question you know you're a young guy but you've had quite a bit of success in your career but you know obviously i'm sure there's a lot more that you want to accomplish so looking out into the future you know, what do you want your impact ultimately to be on either, you know, the tech or gaming industry? And what is it that you're ultimately looking to accomplish in your career? So it definitely would be the IPO of, of AudioMob. That's mm. definitely something that we're we're looking to do from an investor wealth generation perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like if you could IPO a company, if you could do all the things that we want to do to create a company that rather than lasting four to eight years, could last, mm-hmm. you know, significantly longer, like a yeah. hundred year company. I think that would be awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's definitely what we want to try and do. We spun up an R&D lab, right? But like, <laughs> like early because we do this, right. what Google, Facebook, Amazon do. Yeah. Uh, you've got to keep ahead of the game kind of thing. So, so there's that, there's that piece. I am really passionate about creating my own ad mob mafia, as I call mm-hmm. it, right? Just like the PayPal mafia, yeah. where you create a company that has such a substantial culture, trains their employees, um, grows them, that all these employees go out and mm-hmm. become, you know, the dominant names in their industry, right? And uh, we've already started seeing a semblance of, you know, employees that have left and they have started raising creator right. game studios, of which I've invested in as well. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 the kind of thing I, I'd really I'd really want. And yeah, I mean, it's just to really change an industry and but but do it in in like the best way, yeah. right? Like rather than being a, a company that just prioritizes, you know returns has a bad yeah. culture high churn all that okay. kind of stuff like i really want to open a company but do it in a way that is sustainable and deemed as you know good so uh, and obviously doing this um again i don't want to kind of beat the drum on this one but yeah. there's not many people that look like us right, right, right. <laughs> that ipo company so that'd be pretty cool as well uh so yeah that's that's the that's the end from for me definitely i mean that's that's awesome that you know you not only want to achieve great things yourself but also you know help other people achieve great things as well you know i think it's a a great way to live but yeah i just wanted to say you know thanks for taking the time i thought this was a great conversation i definitely learned a lot and i'm looking forward to listening to some of your ads in game no thanks thanks for having me this has been this has been great